Good morning. Well, I want to try one more time here to, uh, for you uh, uh, people that are standing. If you have a seat open, actually, can we do, if there are two seats open by you, is there anybody that has two seats open? I feel like I'm an auctioneer right now. Um, okay, one seat next to you. Is there a one, anybody have a one-seater next to you? Hey, does any of you want those seats uh, on the wall? Or are you guys good? You're just good to stand. Wow. That, those are the spiritual people like you're standing. Um, there is uh, 108, which is an, is an overflow. We're trying not to turn that on as much just because it's, it's much less of an experience over there, but it's, it's right over there if you need to, to watch. Otherwise, we have the village that's going on, and they're full. Wow, full weekend. Very excited about that. Um, yeah, you can clap. It's very exciting. So this is, again, Trisha said, we're so excited around here for Easter because Easter is about our risen Lord. It's an amazing week. And they say actually uh, statistically or, or some sort of scientists have discovered or, or kind of come down to that this date today is the actual day that he arose some 2,000 years ago. So we've kind of landed perfectly on the calendar date. Now, I don't know why all that worked out because this is also the weekend that the Badgers beat Kentucky and so I'm just I'm I'm feeling like I don't know if if God just it's a holy weekend I don't know I mean wow sorry I'm not, not saying that I'm not I'm not comparing the Badgers to God at all anyway no it's exciting um, I want to ask you a question this morning and this morning's message really what I want to share with you uh, is pretty simple, yet I think it's very profound, and I think it's something we miss. What is freedom? You just heard the spoken word. What is really freedom? It's a word we use a lot in America because we, we're, we want to demand freedom, and we have a lot of different definitions for freedom, but maybe a picture of freedom would be like, remember, the, I don't know if you just watched the report, this, this man... Uh, was out at sea for 66 days. They, just, they rescued him. And great story, if you want to read on it, and just on the news media about what he went through. He started out, though, by the way, about 295 pounds. He's now a slim 200. Um, it's a new diet book that's coming out <laughs> called, um, you know, Lost at Sea. Um, but it's very interesting as you listen to kind of how he survived. But maybe one picture of freedom we could get is this idea of him being rescued, but the idea that he had was very interesting, this statement that he made throughout his time of 66 days, over two months. He'd pray this prayer, God, please God, uh, send rain. He'd look to the heavens and say, please God, send rain. I can't help but think as I read that story, over 2,000 years ago, a nation of people were staring at heaven saying, please God, send the Messiah, send one, send someone. Send the answer, send the rain that's needed. I mean, it's the whole of our Old Testament. It's, it's the story of, of this people, the Israelites, who had no idea really how they had gotten there, but they're in slavery and bondage in Egypt, and then they have a promised land, and then they're held captive by other nations, and it's back and forth, and they're 
in misery, waiting for God, can you bring the restoration? Can you bring the answer? Can you bring the rain? And many missed this, this Jesus. Many still today, even in fact, you go to Israel, you'll find them at a wall praying for a Messiah to come. It's a sad picture you see in Israel today of, of many Jews that still are waiting for the Messiah. But what is freedom? I mean, we long for a Messiah. We long for one to come with hope. And that's why Easter morning is so powerful for us as Christians. But, but let's talk about freedom. I mean, what is freedom? Freedom comes out of this picture we see in the scripture. And Paul is going to say uh, in his writing, Paul, who is a murderer, by, by the way. Paul, famous Paul. We, we have St. Paul. Uh, there's cities named after him. There, there's so much around this, this saint called Paul, who is a murderer. Let's just call him what he is. Uh, was there with Stephen, killing Christians. In, in a modern day, a terrorist. A religious terrorist. It's amazing, just to push pause this morning, there are prisons and jails filled today in Green Bay that you have no idea who God's going to qualify for his purposes. He uses a murderer. Paul, though, writes letters. He's written most of the New Testament. Many of the letters in the New Testament are written by Paul. Paul uses some language this morning that I want to call to your attention. One of those words he uses often is freedom. And a verse he has in Galatians 5.1 that we're going to, I want to just share the passage with you. I'm going to kind of unpack it a little bit, but it's, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Let's just first take this idea about freedom. What is freedom? We just asked that question. Let's talk first about what isn't freedom. See, in our idea, we have this idea that if I have choice, then I have freedom. If I have like the supermarket of choice, when I walk down the chips aisle, right, and I see, you know, 400 different options of chips, made from stuff that's not even, it's like chemical chips. I mean, they have like every kind of chip you could imagine, right? Having choice isn't freedom. It doesn't fully define freedom, at least from the biblical sense of what we're talking about. Just simply having an option isn't the choice. Simply having the ability to choose isn't the definition, full definition of freedom. It's a good thing. But simply standing at two crossroads and waiting to go right or left doesn't mean I'm so free. Actually, sometimes those things can be paralyzing and make people feel not free. There's actually a study to say that the more options you have, the more paralyzed we feel, the more gripped we are about what if we make the wrong choice. I think a lot of people live that way today. Freedom is not simply having options. It's not simply having the ability to choose. Freedom is unrestrained, not bound by an obligation, not controlled biblically by sin. It's, the Bible will talk about this, not being tethered to. Paul's going to use another word that will strike some emotion in us. He uses going to word slaves. We hear that word in our culture today. It's a black eye in our history, and we know that there's there's some unrest, and even today there are millions of slaves, um, slave laborers that are taken captive to work 
There are sex slaves. There's, slavery still is rampant around the world. So Paul uses this language, which was very relatable to a culture that's understood this idea of slavery. And so he's going to paint this picture of freedom. What is freedom? It's unchained. It's, it's unrestrained. It's, it's not bound by an obligation. But freedom isn't simply just not having, not bound by anything. It means that I could do whatever I want. The Bible will even talk about this, that my freedom doesn't mean I just get to choose anything I want to and I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. That's the message of the world though, isn't it? No, it's much like many of you um, who got your driver's license when you were 16 years old, right? So you get your driver's license and immediately you get this chance to operate a vehicle or a motorcycle, right? You get to, you get to operate this, this large machine that has four tires, hopefully good ones, and you get to travel down the roads and the highways of our country with great freedom, don't you? How many of you have your license? I asked this question last service. Yeah, about the same. Only like very few of you. I don't know how the rest of you got here. This is so great as a message giver. I ask questions and how many of you, and then most of you are like, I'm not answering any of his questions. I'm not going to participate in this message. Some of you need rides home then because you don't have a license. Um, you got your license. What it didn't, the freedom wasn't, hey, now that you have your license, drive how you want. And so you're going to hop the opposite direction on 41 and going 55 miles an hour in opposing traffic and woohoo, this is freedom. You know, if any of us saw that, we would be like calling the police. And why? Because freedom isn't doing everything you want to do. Freedom, in a lot of ways, has a responsibility to it, and that we're to live in freedom. And so when we get a license, we have this freedom, but it's not without responsibility. It's not without some guidelines for us to stay safe, to stay alive. None of us would say that's a bad idea to stop people from driving how they want to. They say that's a really good idea because we want to stay alive. We want to stay safe. Somehow in our culture today, we've got this idea that freedom means leave me alone, let me do what I want to, let me choose what I want to choose, and I'm free because I get to just live however I want to live. And the Bible talks opposite to this. And so there's this idea that Paul says it is for freedom. He wants to set you free from sin. He wants to unchain you from the bondage, from the slavery to sin. That's why Christ comes and dies. That's why he resurrects again, is he wants you to have freedom. I, I wonder how many this morning don't feel free. Despite all the religious activity that you're doing in your life, you still don't feel free, or you feel chained to the bondage of sin. You feel a guilt, you feel a sense of overwhelmed, I'm unworthy. And that, by the way, is very true this morning. We all are unworthy. But Jesus comes, and Paul says it very clearly, it is for freedom. He wants to have you return back to a place of freedom. What's the goal? The goal was to set us free. 
He says in this verse, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. There's an implied nature to this statement, isn't it? That you're not. There's, there's something implied here saying that you actually are living a life of, as he'll call it, slavery. Now again, the word pictures for the people at the time that were hearing this got it. Because they understood that the Israelites for 400 years were in slavery to Egypt. And then they, were, they had their own nation, and then they were captured again, and back and forth. You'll read throughout the Old Testament. They understood the idea of being captive and slaves and bound to someone else. And so Paul wants to unearth this language saying, hey, Christ didn't, he didn't come so that you'd feel the weight of chains and guilt. He's here to set you free. He's here to untether you to all this other stuff and I wanna set you free and so you've gotta understand you are a slave. There's a picture of this Indian girl who was born into slavery. I mean, could you imagine that? Being born into slavery, being born into a situation that you don't have perspective about anything else. And you realize many people today in their faith, it's somewhat accidental. You grew up in a home that took you to whether whatever it was or however you grew up, it's kind of the way of your family tribe, right? And it's what you understand. And so you may not have a lot of evidence for why you believe or do what you do. You just have kind of adapted. Could you imagine this young girl growing up in slavery? Now she's, this is an IJM picture, an international justice mission, and they, and they free people. But there's a recognition eventually when someone's made aware, you're, you're a slave, you don't have to live this way. And so Jesus, the reason is for freedom, but he has to, he's going to go rescue us. He's going to go get us from that slavery. What is the slavery? Well, the Bible is filled with this, not just stories, but the, the direct language of saying, we're all sinners. I've said before, it would be great for us to put on our doorway, probably on the front side of the property, no perfect people allowed, Right? And if you're here this morning and you're one of those people, you should just probably leave. You're wasting your hour here because you don't need to celebrate and remember Jesus if you're perfect. No, we recognize that the Bible says, for all have fallen short of God's perfection. Now, we know the story. Adam and Eve are created, and we know in Genesis 3, as that story unfolds, uh, in Genesis 3, the, the whole of our Old Testament is going to be about God saying, there's a sin problem. There's a rebellion. You've chosen to tether yourself to something that's not my design. And say, so you, you, you are no longer free. Someone has to pay the ransom for this. There's a wrong that's been done. And so what God does is he establishes blood sacrifices. We talked about it on Good Friday. And so all the time there was a blood sacrifice. And you had to bring a perfect, unblemished animal. You couldn't just as a farmer, like you were a sheep herder, go, oh, let's go get Betsy. She's like leaning against the post. She's about to die in a couple days. Let's just give that one up. That won't cost us anything. No, the, the Bible said that it had to be, God said, unblemished, no broken limbs, a perfect lamb. So sacrifices were given, and God says that blood is the ransom, and 
The picture in the Old Testament we get is it's animal sacrifice that continues to happen, this blood atoning for the Israelites, and it's only temporary, and it's not complete. Then Jesus, his plan is this, that God says once and for all that God is going to send the great sacrifice. This is why Jesus came to live, to get us free, but he had to live the full life here. He had to live a full life. It says that he experienced temptation and the feelings and the emotion that we would in every way. I think sometimes we have this perspective that Jesus, you know, superpower, you know, walking through the village, let's say in Bethlehem or, or Judea somewhere, and there's a great looking gal, and he's like, nope, God power, boom, I'm done. No worries. Or, or the struggle for power or money. It says that he was tempted in every way. He felt the full range of emotion that you and I feel. He had to. Because he had to be the full human that was God's son, and he had to live perfectly. This is why on the cross, Jesus' bones are not broken. He was a perfect sacrifice. That was his crazy plan. That was what he did for us. And the way to say this is that Jesus' death removes the penalty of sin. His death, Good Friday, it's Good Friday because someone finally paid the price in its entirety. Jesus' death pays for it all. That's why we sing these songs, friends. We sing these songs because Jesus paid it all. It's all to him I owe. It was all him. His death removed the penalty of sin his resurrection Sunday morning. Why do we go? He is risen. He is risen indeed because he defeats death. Now we not only have a ransom for our sin, we have atonement for our sin. We now get to celebrate resurrection and new life and that we can have a relationship with God. That power of sin is broken the chains forever to be broken. I don't have to go there anymore. And now we know one day, as the Bible will talk about, that one day Jesus' return will remove the presence of sin. So you have the Garden of Eden on one end, this perfection, no sin. Then we have, really, from Genesis chapter 3 all the way to the the Revelation, the Tribulation, the last few chapters of Revelation are what? The city of God, perfect, no more sin. We find ourselves in the midst of this story And the story is that Paul is reminding us God's intention is for you to have freedom. And his plan was that he was going to send a sacrifice. That sacrifice is Christ. Now, I know I've I've told kids this before. This is not Jesus' last name, Christ. Everybody, a lot of people think that Jesus Christ, that was his last name. No, Christ is the, is the promised one, the, the anointed one, like Messiah, the Savior. He is the Christ. But Jesus did this alone. Not only did he come to give us freedom, not only did he have to die and go through, that was his goal and plan, he had to die and, and raise again, live a perfect life. What he's trying to accomplish is he's accomplishing it on his own. This is important because this is a point I think for us, many in Green Bay here, suffer from. And that's religion, and that's called Jesus plus something else. 
It's not enough for you to come to Christ and accept the cross. It's, wait, I have to also do these things. I love talking to friends that I'm trying to get to come uh, to be a part of community church and visit us on a service. I love it. And, and I hope, a few of them I've invited, I don't know if they're here this morning, they might be. But in some of those interactions, it's, it's, it's interesting to hear when someone says, well, I grew up in Green Bay going to a church and I think I've acquired some credit, some credits. You know, now I've done some bad things and I, and I don't think my account is dry. I think I still have some positive credits. Friends, we wear a cross. Do you realize you wear a cross? And this cross is the, the most, maybe, even larger than beheading, maybe the most gruesome and inhumane way to kill a person. And we wear it. Why do we do that? We wear this cross because it had to happen. We know that, and there's victory and power in the cross in Christ alone. Not Jesus plus I need to clean up a little bit. I mean, think about this young Indian girl, this, IG, this girl that got rescued by IJM. It's not that, hey, they got a letter to her while she's, let's say, in sex slavery. And let's say she's in there and the International Justice Mission writes her a letter. Hey, listen, we're going to be there in a few days. If you could clean up a bit. If you could clean up a bit... And, and we're going to notice you, and then you're gonna be, we're going to rescue you only when you've got things figured out a little bit. You're cleaned up. You know, you present yourself a little bit. Why is it we treat God this way? That's ridiculous to think about that. When they rescue these people, they grab them and they run. There's not a wait around. And friends, too many people in this city are waiting to clean themselves up before they enter into this promise that God's offered. And Jesus is saying, what is the, was the torture and the punishment that I went through not enough? It's why the Bible is filled with this language. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of you. I don't care how right we think we are, we're still wrong. And he has died for us. I love the, the verse, Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners. Friends, no other faith stream in the world teaches this concept. No matter what religion, world religion you get around, it's going to be God, their idea of God or a higher power, plus something else. Oh, but you've got to do these things. It's credits. And how is it in, in the idea of loving Jesus, we've adapt, adapted this, this kind of idea, this, this way of thinking we've got to add something to Jesus. It's not accept Jesus and then you better clean up your language. It's not accept Jesus and then you better uh, remove this from your life. Friends, we enter into the freedom and now we start driving on the right side of the road. Of course I'm not going to drive the wrong side of the road because that's not how I've been designed and that's not what my license is for. As you become a Christ follower, as you love and embrace Jesus, obviously it's not continue to sin, but I'm not free because I got it right. I'm free because of a death, a sacrifice. I think it's interesting today because what paralyzes us is religion. 
I'm all for tradition. I think there are beautiful traditions in our Christian faith that are, are magnificent. I think there are cathedrals and things that are so enriching to, help, to call us to remember. But friends, it was never to have us remember that we play a part in getting things right for our own souls. It's God alone. It's Christ alone. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Who's Paul talking to? Paul's talking to Christians. And this Easter I chose, I said, you know what, I'm going to speak more to the masses of what I call religiously lost people. You're so ingrained in religion, you have lost the deeper perspective. And like Paul's saying, quit walking back and being chained to the idea that you have to figure things out. Accept the sacrifice. The problem is most of us grew up and we became accustomed to how we grew up, right? Like as I said earlier, you grew up in a way. You grew up in kind of what, and you adapted to it. There's a great movie, an older movie, The Truman Show. Anybody seen The Truman Show? It's all my licensed drivers that have seen The Truman Show. Um, did you see it at a drive-in too? Yeah, licensed drivers. Uh, the Truman Show is an interesting perspective. This, the premise is they're going to do a reality TV show. They've created a whole city underneath a dome. And everybody is an actor except for Truman who was born and raised in this false reality. Now, I started watching this show and I kept looking over my shoulder in my office in my house because I was crying. I'm thinking, who cries to the Truman Show? But I was making a connection. So many of us have grown up in a perspective of what we thought was reality. The movie gets to this point where he starts to, to, to see and to kind of sniff out, wait, this is not real. There's mistakes along the way, and he starts to get a perspective. And I know some of you, deep in your heart, go, how I'm living my life, something's not right. So he starts to, un to, start to realize this, and he's going to leave this, this city. He's going to leave it. And so he gets on a boat. Longer story short, I, I don't know what the long pointy part of the boat is. What's the front pointy part? Well, I know the bow, but there's like there's, there's that big stick that sticks out there. I don't know what you, it's called a stick. Thank you. We're, we are a smart group here in Green Bay. Um, some stick sticks out of the front of the boat. You get the point. But he's sailing. He's sailing. And he just wants to be free. He's sailing this, and he gets to... Close, all of a sudden, the clouds, and you see the horizon, but all of a sudden, you see the shadow from the stick that starts to show up, and it goes right through the end, the, the, the boundary. And the next scene is what rocked me, because here he is, he recognizes the slavery he's been in. The show has this guy that's the director, and they're interviewing him about do you think Truman's ever going to find out? And he says, no. And here's a statement. Because all of us adapt to the worlds we've been placed in. That statement rocks me. You see, friends, we've all grown up in a way and we think we know, right? We know what we know. We don't know what we don't know. But we act and live like we know everything. 
The reality is Truman had no idea until he, he tries to remove himself. He says, like Paul, don't return back to that. Get out, flee, run from this. And so the next scene is him beating this wall, just broken at how much he's wasted. So then it has him walking along the side of this kind of little kind of parapet area that along the wall, along these clouds, and there's these stairs and there's an exit door. And it ends the movie by him leaving. And it gripped me because I thought, wow, that, if so much of us here in, in our area can get ourselves out of this religious bubble, that you have to do something for God. But God has given you license, not because you deserved it or passed the test, because Jesus just did for you. That is the power of resurrection. That's why we wear a cross. Because Jesus died for us, we get to step into freedom. And because of the overwhelming sense of debt he took for me, I want to drive on the right side of the road. I want to do that. It's not about credit anymore. Do I find myself sinning? Yes, I still do. And that's where I'm woke up. Hey, stand firm. This is freedom. The sinful stuff of the world may, may give you joy for a moment, but it is not what, it, what I want. And why is it? Sometimes I think we're so convinced that we want a little guilt and shame. Ah, I've done some bad. I think God will be happy if I kind of just self-punish myself. Guilty. There is freedom in Christ. There is no guilt and no shame because it was taken for you. Friends, we should not wear crosses if we don't embrace the full nature of what Jesus did for us. It wasn't Jesus plus you. It wasn't Jesus plus the works you do. It wasn't Jesus plus your rightness or getting Bible answers right. It was just Jesus for you. That's it. To me, that's freedom. I don't have to play religion. I don't have to stand up here as a pastor and go, boy, I'm perfect, or I've gotten it right. I'm not. And neither are you. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm. Now he gives us two instructions. Stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by slavery. There's two pictures here. One is to stand firm. Many of you in this room know Christ. Many of you know Christ in this room. You, you, have, you have received Jesus Christ and you believe, as the scriptures say, the Bible this morning, Paul is saying, God is saying this morning, stand firm in that freedom. Don't walk over here to Jesus plus something else and begin to create religion for yourself because religion starts to do that and you know how you know you're, you've got a little bit of that disease? when it's easy for you to point at everybody else. When you can start looking and going, they're pretty messed up people. The neighbor down the street, how dare they? And you start to find yourself fighting against the world and how bad it is and everybody else how bad it is. You've created your own pecking order. Paul says, no, stand firm in this truth, in this freedom that you don't have to live that way anymore. There's, there's another group of you this morning that simply just need to stand because you don't know God. Now, 
you could have grown up in church, and I want to tell you, it does not matter. Salvation is not about going to a service or a cathedral. It doesn't mean being confirmed. Salvation is a belief in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, what he came and did for you and I, and that it is fully free. You, you can't get there anywhere else. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. There's, there isn't another way. You can't do that another way. And so some of you this morning need to stand firm. Some of you for the first time need to stand. And you, you need to stand and say, I believe in this God that would send his son. I believe. And it says, the scripture says that you believe in your heart and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and you shall be saved. That, that's the... That's the message we teach because that's the message we read in our scripture, in our Bibles. The band's going to come up and they're going to do a song that asks us a question. The, the lyrics go like this, how could it be? When you start to think about this reality, you mean I don't have to feel guilt and shame and I don't have to do things for God? How could that be? How could a God not require me to do a lot of things and clean up? I said, no, no. I just did this for you. I broke the chains just for you. As you hear this song, I want you to listen to the lyrics, but I want you to think of this story. I heard this story from another pastor friend, looked it up, and it did happen. In Kenya, uh, women uh, aren't allowed, I believe, to, at, the, at the age these women were, they couldn't learn with other men, and so there was a separation of that. There is a terrorist group recently um, that, did, that objected to these women learning this way, came in and started to just mow them down. So one woman's story is that she found herself rushing into a closet with another friend, but one of the bullets strayed and hit her friend. Her friend is bleeding out and dies, and she knows she has no escape. She can hear him throughout the school, just killing and killing and killing. And so she doesn't credit herself as just strategic or anything like that other than recognizing that their friend's blood could save her. She takes the friend's blood and wipes it all over her. And she is drug out of the closet and she lays there dead and they pass her over. Because of a sacrifice that she did nothing for, because of a sacrifice that, that she couldn't earn credit, do anything for, that sacrifice saved her life. Friends, that picture is powerful. Why? That is exactly what the God in heaven did on Easter weekend. He said, I'll sacrifice my best for you. Nothing required. And so this morning is I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to ask you to listen to these lyrics and then I'm going to come back up and, and call us to, to a decision point and then to pray together and to step into freedom. Father, I pray as we listen to the lyrics of this song, your spirit might move and change hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.